0: Hello, my name is Tucker Johnson, and I am coming to you live on the Nimsy streaming channels. We are doing this today on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I have a pretty cool guest today, John Junker from Byte Level Research, who publishes the Globalization Report Card every year, has been doing it for a very long time. If, if you haven't heard about the Globalization Report Card, that's what we're going to be talking about today. You need to know about it. John, welcome, sir.
1: Hi. Hi, Tucker. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Really quickly, for those of you who are joining us for the first time, um, NIMSI Insights, we are a market research and consulting company. We specialize in helping brands go global, helping global brands that are already in local markets better connect with their customers, um, our background is largely in this industry we call localization, this whole shadow industry that helps the, the wheels turn and help things get translated and localized and ready for global audiences. And if you can't tell, I'm still working on that sales pitch. But um, give <laughs> no, us a call. Sounds- (laughs)
1: It's excellent. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, without further ado here, I want to turn it over to you, John, and tell us, what is the Globalization Report Card? How long have you been doing it? Uh, Background. Uh,
1: Well, it's a uh, benchmark of the world's leading global websites, and I've been doing it since 2003, which – Wow. It's a long time, I know. I'm, I started it a long time ago.
0: I'm thinking, I'm doing the math in my head, and the math kind of depresses me.
1: Because... It's depressing, I know. I'm, I'm dating myself. Exactly, clearly. wow. Uh, and I, when I did it, I thought it would be a one-off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just curious. Oh, what is know, it? What, what is it, first of all? Well, it, it really, it, it's, it, it looks at how companies take their websites global. Okay. And at the time... You know, when I started it, 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 web globalization was relatively novel practice. There were not that many companies that had expanded beyond English. And I think at the time, I think 10 languages was roughly the average. And that's, you know, taking into account, say, a Microsoft. And of course, you know, Facebook didn't exist. And a lot of these companies that we, we now know today didn't exist, these web companies. So at the time, I was really looking, I had, I, had a localization background at the time and i when i uh co-founded byte level the goal was really to just focus on just the art and science web globalization and this project what you know i i I kept it simple i thought a report card's a great model you know it was every website gets a score from zero to 100 it's kind of high conceptually pretty pretty basic you know and there's four quadrants that I benchmark websites on, and and those quadrants have remained the same over these many years, even though the the details within each quadrant has changed. Um, and so that's just one way of of just looking at these websites. And it's not just benchmarking, but also, I really wanted to push the industry forward. I wanted to. Huh. I wanted to. You know, I have a. It, def- it definitely has a point of view. This report. Well, every, everything has a. Re- yeah, everything has exactly. a point of view, right? <laughs>
0: But no, the reason I say huh is because, you know, we haven't been around since uh, 2003. But NIMSY, when we founded, that was kind of what we wanted to do and what we continue to try to do is to push the industry forward. Right. Um, And not just the localization industry, but Hmm. multiple industries. Um, Hmm. So we share a common goal in that. I found this uh, on the website here. I found this, this video and I started watching it, but I uh, then I stopped because I thought let's watch this together live. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. This is my intro to the report.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna play this, and okay. this will give this will give you guys that are watching uh, a quick intro to the report before we get any much further. Also, though, uh, if you're watching in the comments, these are these streams. These streams are interactive, right? So participates down on the comments if. If there's chatter going on down there, we'll bring you guys up on screen. If you have any questions, comments, etc., you know the drill. I'll also give you a shout out. Without further ado, let's let's play this.
1: And this is the homepage of the New York Times. These are the products that Apple is selling. Here is Google, and this is the homepage of Facebook.com. Not quite the Facebook we know today. Also, in 2003, I published the first edition of the Web Globalization Report Card, my first attempt to benchmark the world's leading global websites and the first report of its kind. And here we are in 2021, and I'm pleased to have published the most recent annual edition. Now, why a report card? Well, complexity is overrated, and from the very beginning, the report card relied on four major uh, buckets or uh, criteria, as shown on the right— and uh, although the details within each of these criteria have evolved over time by keeping a, a fundamental and consistent methodology, organizations have been able to measure their progress over time. But the report card isn't just methodology. It's also about identifying and evangelizing for emerging and established best practices. Now let's drill in on that methodology, beginning with global reach the truly quantitative metric within the report card. I look at languages. I document every language supported by every website I look at. And over the years, as you can see here, the average number of languages has more than doubled to 33 today. And when you look at specific companies, you can see some growth rates are, are faster than others. But across the board, companies generally add languages. They have to because as I've long said, the internet connects computers, but language connects people. Now, global architecture is the internationalization aspect of web globalization, and it refers to elements such as the global templates that, uh, that support not only desktop, but mobile screens, not just within one market, but across all markets. Because as you start to scale up, you have to support an efficient uh, uh, range of templates And not only does this make your life easier, it actually provides a better user experience because visitors to your website often uh, navigate across different locales.
0: So, just for the record, like I have a ton of questions and it's taking all my willpower not to like pause this and just start interrogating you. But let's finish it. We're we're halfway through. So it's
1: important to provide a level of consistency. (laughs) Sorry. Now, localization isn't just about translating from source to target content. I also look at locally generated content, such as blogs shown here. I look at social, uh, local language, social media, and I also look at how machine translation is deployed because all of these elements are what goes into localization today. Hmm. And finally, global navigation, which is much more than the visual global gateway, which which you uh, see here. Uh, there are a number of, of technical and visual uh, elements that are that a company can use to successfully provide a seamless experience to visitors, regardless of their language and regardless of where they live. I review every one of these websites. I have, I've never outsourced this work. Uh, it, it can be tedious at times, but the value of doing it year in and year out is that I've learned uh, what how these companies have evolved quite intimately. And I speak to executives at many of these companies. So I learn what works and what doesn't work. And then every year, these best practices, these learned lessons get, back, gets, get filtered back into the methodology. And, and I, of course, evangelize for these best practices, not only within the report, but within the best practices uh, supplemental report. Now, out of all of these websites, here are the top 25. Congratulations to these organizations. Now, how do companies use the report card? Well, whoa, they use whoa, whoa. internal benchmarking. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Now, how I'll, do companies to the all of these how websites? There,
0: there's the list, guys. Yeah, there's yeah. your freebie right there. Oh yeah, that's yeah. the that is a who's who right there. Yeah, all here right. are the top 25. We'll get back.
1: Congratulations to, that. to these organizations. Now, how do companies use a report card? Well, they use it for internal benchmarking. They use it for language planning. They really benefit when they use it before a global redesign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, ongoing, identifying ongoing localization trends is, is really, really important. Uh, and many companies have report, have used this report for, for a decade or even longer. And the real value in, in doing so is, is not only do you create a, a more successful and world ready website, you create uh, world ready employees uh, because this report is designed not just to inform but to educate so if you have any questions, please uh, email me visit the website at bite dot or my blog at globalbydesign.com. dot com Thank you
0: <laughs> keep calm and go global
1: indeed <laughs> i li- that was a
0: nice little intro like i said there's just um wow i It's juicy. It's beefy. So you tell me, what, what, what do I need to know about the globalization report card? Why do clients, first of all, who do, um, who 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 uses this and why do they um, use it you touched on that in the video
1: yeah some of the people on that top 25 uh some of the companies on that top 25 list purchase it and some some that are not in the report at all purchase it it really varies they're they're using it to improve generally yeah. they're they, you know and and there are some and this gets a little awkward sometimes i i don't you know i don't it's not a sponsored report. It's just a report. Right. And if you're on the top twenty-five list, I tell these companies, you've done extremely well. You know, you're you're well above average. They always want to get into that top five. Well, it's very difficult, obviously, because uh, yeah, the I metrics want to have, compete
0: with Wikipedia too. But yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, <laughs> get get over two hundred and fifty languages, and we'll talk
0: right? exactly.
1: So uh, yeah, you know. So those metrics, you know, they're they're destiny for for why Wikipedia is number one and why you know, uh, Apple is, is lower on that list, for example. So yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. It is what it is. Uh, but it's, it has been, uh, it, it's nice to see people supporting it year in and year out. It's as a, as a basic one person production, it's, it's quite nice. Yeah. And, and you
0: mentioned that, that you yeah. said you don't outsource any of this, yeah. you, right. you do it yourself. And, That caught my attention because I am the guy that used to do it myself for Nimsy. Like that once upon a time, if you read some research that Nimsy put out, it was very high likelihood that it was written by yours truly. And since then we've hired good writers. So I don't write anything anymore. And there's something to be said for getting your hands dirty Working on the same report, like for example, we have we have Sarah Hickey, our, our VP of Research here, and every year she manages the NIMSI One Hundred report, which is our ranking of the language yeah. services industry. She manages the Interpreting Index; it's our biannual report and talking about the the interpreting market, uh, language companies in the interpreting market. And you know, year over year, you just she just gets intimate with hmm. these. I mean, there's no better word for it,
1: intimacy. Right? No, it's absolutely right. Yeah. And yeah, many years ago, I, I, I had the, I guess I had the chance to grow and I just, I don't know. I, I, I didn't make that decision. So it's, it, we, we are small by design and I think there are benef- there are definitely benefits to growing like, like you guys are growing, which which is quite evident. Um and it yeah. would be great to have colleagues. There's too. definitely headaches, too, involved <laughs> yeah, no, with
0: I, growth. So uh, I, I no, respect I, people that stay small. I mean, know yeah. what you want and, and do it because yeah. you're putting out a good product. But, yeah, the, having colleagues is nice.
1: It would be nice. That's the one thing I do miss because yeah. it is. it does get a little um, – there's a bit of an echo chamber. And, you know, I do, I do consulting, which is really how I interact with a lot of these organizations. So in a sense, I'm working indirectly with a lot of companies, but – at the end of the day, it's just me and a few cats and my wife. And, you know, it it can get a little, it can get a little lonely.
0: At times. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Speaking of um, getting a little lonely, we already got some chatter going down, on down here. Prince E, please show me the email address again. I will bring that up. John Juncker. Um in
1: The PowerPoint. i do I bring that But
0: Where was that? Oh, it was in the.
1: Oh, there it is. Yeah.
0: There we go. There it is for you.
1: Well, and you've got the PowerPoint via YouTube. So
0: yeah, exactly. So I'll put a link to this. This is just a YouTube video that we're showing. It's not a PowerPoint presentation. Um, I'll put a link to this in the description over here on LinkedIn. When we, when we wrap it all up or I can try to do it right now. I have limited. Oh, I can't do it to LinkedIn. Um, we'll get it to you. Don't worry. All right. Any other chatter down there? Nope. Like I, like I said, um, leave comment if you're watching this live leave comments in the in the chat if you're watching this after the fact um because it will be available on all of the platforms afterwards then you can still leave a comment just i probably won't answer you because (laughs) we're not here so um yeah so i i totally appreciate that you know rolling up your sleeves getting your hands dirty getting to know it um what are i'm sure you have some stories to tell stories about some companies, some companies that started out on the list and now they're not some companies that have skyrocketed, skyrocketed up the list.
1: Yeah. Uh, gosh, let me think. I mean, I, I always, there's a lot of NDAs that I have to sign for the consulting so that Uh, I'm trying to bypass that. I'll speak in general terms.
0: There we go. There we go.
1: Um, well,
0: um, a a large um, fruit themed, um, Silicon Valley based (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes.
0: iPhone producing company. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes, and no, we, we don't, know, don't need to do that either. Just No,
1: a- Apple's a good one um because okay. Apple's uh, the Apple...
0: one with the tightest NDAs. So let's uh, watch yeah. out we're live. <laughs>
1: no, no. A- Apple, I can speak uh from from the outside on Apple. I'm a con- you know, i I use Apple. I, I like Apple, but I have and long uh been critical of Apple. Mm. This is the first time they made the top 25 actually. And they huh. uh they they punch below their weight in terms of languages. I, re, I and I every year I get more critical. And in fact, this was the first year that to get a top score in that global reach category, you have to support fifty or more languages.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So every year that's gone up. I mean, I think I, I'd have to go and check the first one, but I think back then if you supported a dozen languages, you were global. That's what companies were calling themselves global in two thousand three if they supported ten because well, yeah. that was it. You know that was and the internet itself. So if you looked at the used, the, the audience, people that were on the internet, it was majority English, native English speakers, but now, you know, the majority, uh, native English speakers make up what fewer, fewer, than 20% of all internet users. Uh, so, so Apple to me is, uh, I, I have been critical of them in that regard. Um, but I did praise them for dropping flags in the fall, which was from their global gateway. So that was a huge step for them forward and. Yeah. avoids a lot of issues and allows them to scale a little bit better and
0: the flags know. the flags we we've had several you know and Apple mm-hmm. I like that you you say that they punch below their weight because i I like to look at Apple as kind of like one of the leaders you know like mm-hmm. and i'll tell this to the folks that we consult with and it's like look if you're just starting out if you're a startup and mm-hmm. sure you could do the market research and understand which markets to prioritize and you can hire a NIMSY to do that for you right. or just do what Apple does, right? Like if their product, if their customer base, cause sometimes it's like you, you look at someone's website and you're like, yeah, you're trying to copy Apple. So <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like you just yeah. skip, skip the market research. Yeah. Just do what Apple does. Right. And that, that so it caught my attention when you, you said that they've been
1: disappointing you, um, well, given that, well, I highlighted Vietnam, for example. They don't have a Vietnam website formally, but okay. Apple ID, the Apple ID page is localized in the Vietnam, Vietnamese. So they, you can tell internally there's a pressure they, to serve this important audience, and yet they haven't gone all in yet. And it, it clearly is not a budgetary issue. I, you can, yeah. There are obviously small to medium or, organizations. There's a lot more budgetary issues when you're starting to go global and but when you're of that that size, I I just think they they clearly they have the means to do a better job of serving a customer base that already exists.
0: All right,
1: in, in many of these markets,
0: you hear that out there, but <laughs> a- Apple budget owners.
1: Yes yeah you and I, I and i do empath- the globalization team <laughs> I, exactly and i do empathize i know it's hard to, you know the, 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 you know it's hard to make the case for more dollars internally i mean i, I well because it's you, always difficult
0: also and you said it in the beginning is that once you go into a language like it's easy to add languages like you said we're you know on average people are doing twice as many languages as they were back in 2015 i think you said or mm-hmm. correct me yeah. if i'm wrong yeah but um very hard to take away languages once the markets get used to that, um, that, that localization. So what do, you, do you have any case studies on that? Like companies that are pulled out of markets? How, how do you do uh, that?
1: One of the more notable companies that did over the past year would be Cisco. Okay. They tra- yeah. They dropped a the number of uh, markets mm-hmm. uh, in terms of localization support and that hurt them in the score and the ranking. It does happen. It, I was surprised over the past year, I, you, know, with, with, uh, you know, with COVID and the, you know, just all this uncertainty, I kind of thought there'd be a lot more of a pullback. Because there's certainly, if you're an executive who's looking to cut costs, in, in language uh, services is an area that's often targeted. It right. just is. You yeah. know, it, it, well, because it's,
0: it's, it's not very well understood. Exactly. And if you don't understand something and you're looking at a, a, a you know, P&L statement and trying to make cuts,
1: you're mm-hmm. going to cut
0: the stuff that you don't understand.
1: Exactly. And like you said, too, and I, I thought it was a good point. You said localization is a shadow industry. It's just not. Yeah, I like that term. That's I'm, something I, I'm I, playing around know, with that term. You can no, use it. No, it's great. You can yeah. use it. Uh, well, no, I just, it's, well, it's something I kind of touch on. Uh, with this book, Think Outside the Country, I, I use this term, translation economy, and I I was trying to make the point that, you know, many you know, ten years ago, everyone was talking about the information economy. You know, it's this global information economy. What's well, really not if an information economy if you don't understand the information that <laughs> that you have access to. You you is right. it, a translation economy. You have to be able to understand the content for it to mean anything. And people seem to lose that and why I, it always drives me a little nuts sometimes when uh, within organizations, how they, they really uh, skimp on, on translation budget, yet they don't question their English language website. There was never really much of an argument when companies started doing English language websites. They didn't say, well, do we really want to do it in English? You know, or, it, it, that was assumed, right? right? English is an assumed, you've got to support English. Yeah. And it's a shame, it's been such a struggle to get to, you know, these, ba- these baseline assumptions. Of course, we have them for a number of languages, German and Chinese and Japanese and, and so forth. But, you know, it's a steady growth. You know, it's a steady climb and, and companies generally don't pull back over time. And so that, I do look at actions and actions do point, paint a picture of increasing global reach yeah
0: sorry i was i'm trying to get prints here if it looks like i'm distracted i'm trying to get you the link here and bam there we go you got it so that's that's your link to to john's video prints over there okay but god i need to learn how to multitask better that's um that really threw you're me maple. that really threw me off right there, all right, so we talked about the companies um, that that you're looking at we talked about we talked about Apple um, we talked about pulling out of markets um, what is companies that aren't on the list? what do hmm. they need to do because that that's why I mean just, odds are the people that are watching right now don't work for one of those companies, right, right, right. but maybe they want to push their program into it maybe this is something because this is the type of thing that gets attention from senior management and i've been Mm. doing a lot of talking a lot of workshops um Mm. with enterprise side teams that are all around like all right how do do we get more respect how do we get more love how do we get (laughs) let's be honest how do we get more budget from senior management, right. Right? right? And this this looks like a, a ticket here um, because it's from an authoritative source that's been doing it for for a while. And if I can make a case based on this, like my goal is to bring our organization on to, into the top 50, into the top 25, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. This is just all a long-winded way to ask a question. What tips do you have? Like where should they prioritize their time?
1: Uh, I would say... Fundamental uh, is, and you mentioned Apple, this is a uh, credit to Apple is global consistency. You know, know, uh, there are some companies that support a huge number of languages that didn't make the top 25. The automotive sector is actually famous for this, uh, with the exception of Tesla. Okay, and I often point out Tesla because Tesla was
0: by by consistency. Before we, you mean like brand consistency, Um, like user experience uh, consistency, uh,
1: website global consistency on the website. On the website, okay, they've created these global templates that they support globally. Okay, that, um, and you don't necessarily need one template, but you do need to have a degree of consistency, Mm -hmm. market to market. And there can be exceptions. There's room for exceptions, particularly with Asia, but Mm -hmm. by and large global consistency is that is really gospel these days. And, and it just, you know, you look at any, most of the majority of the companies in the top 25 have a a large degree of that. And sometimes it's only regional, like it's a You might just have it in Europe and, but uh, it's hard to argue against that from a consistency, from a, an efficiency standpoint, you know, you've to really scale up, you're going to have to get everyone on board um, because odds are, if you don't have global consistency, you're also ha- you're going to have other problems because it means you're all, you're not coordinating well with your offices around the world. Yeah, perhaps. Um, so, if you're not even at, on the same page in terms of workflow and understanding with other offices around the world, well, low, you know, it, it, global consistency forces everyone to kind of uh, agree to some degree of uh, of working together yeah. uh, with some shared yeah. goals. And then you can drill down on localization and, and, and local flexibility within those markets. Because what, what I find when there's lack of global consistency, what we see a lot in local markets is they're, they're doing redesigns when they don't need to be re- doing redesigns. They really should be focusing more on supporting the local language, social feeds, creating local content and things like that. Rather than doing a, no, a new redesign, and sometimes that's a result of, of very decentralized companies that have they have their own budgets. Yeah, you know. Um, but, but so uh, it's a tough it's a tough battle to to, to win, but uh, you you can do it. And and companies that have done it have I don't know of any company that got on board with global consistency and then went back again. Went said that eh, did eh, screw it. Doesn't work. We're out of here. We're going to go back.
0: It, yeah. Uh, well yeah nobody that went back intentionally probably <laughs> i i think true, true. the law of entropy definitely applies oh, to such things right. so if you have consistency consistency is like one of those things that's like you fight for constantly like mm-hmm. you have to own it like when we started nimzy and a slight tangent um i was very protective of what technologies I allowed into the company. I'm like, no, we are on an ecosystem. We have built a foundation. Here is the software suite we are using. Get your Trello out of here. We're not, you know what I'm saying? But it's like, it was this constant battle because everything just kind of worked. And if you're not constantly watching that things, things go right. And web website management is certainly no different. Like the <laughs> entropy definitely applies. So great advice for people wanting to get onto the list.
1: Yeah.
0: The question that I keep thinking though is that sounds a lot easier to build out than it does to recreate Mm -hmm. or it does to fix, if you know what I'm saying. So the next question I would have is what advice would you have for these companies that maybe – it's, just, it's not men's words, failed to create consistent, you know, did not prioritize creating a consistent web experience for their global users um, and now are reevaluating. Maybe there's been a change in priorities, maybe some you know, new hotshot globalization director just got hired um, and they want to fix that. Hmm. What advice would you have for the company as a whole? And mm-hmm. what advice would you have for the globalization director, who is perhaps the person that best understands the problem, but needs help communicating that what needs to happen to the
1: other stakeholders? That's a good question. Uh, there's, well, you know, I would say you can get your marketing team on board with um, making the case that you're going to make their jobs a lot easier if they're doing uh-huh. global rollouts of a product, for example. And you want, go back to Apple. When they launch an iPad or an i generally it's global. A new device, a new product, new service. It's got to be live within a few hours on all of the markets around the world. Well, if you have a template, you can do that. You can You can align and deploy that really, really quickly versus, you know, okay, Germany's got 400 pixels by... 200 pixels. Japan's got 900 pixels. You know the, all of those little details. So I think it's marketing. You can get them on board on efficiency and and time to market. You can also. I also think it's really important to to focus on the users and the customers and their experience. Yes. Because odds are, and I often, the data will often back this up. Is if you're. Your dot-com site is probably seeing, uh, as you start to grow global, you're probably seeing 50% or more traffic from outside your core market. And say you're a U.S. company and you're expanding, you're seeing more than 50% coming from outside the U.S. And then how, so someone, so if you think about it from their perspective, someone lands on dot-com and then they've got to go to a .de or a .fr website, what's their experience going to be? Like if they've got a whole nother site now to learn, a new architecture, a new design, new uh, navigation scheme, that's a bump. That's not necessarily the best user experience for them. Um, So I think you have to think about this, take this holistic view of your customer. So that's another argument. And then finally, I would say, if you're really having a hard time making this work, find one market that is on board, you know, work with the markets that are on board with you. You're going to, you're going to have outliers. I mean, even, you know, I, I know there's a lot of global companies that I work with and, and there's almost always a one or two markets that kind of want to do their own thing and they get a longer leash and they make a good case for it. And I, you know, Japan is a good example. I was going to say, China. You, do
0: you want to start yes. listing them or should I? It, yes. it, it's well, the usual suspects, right? It's like Japan, Germany, China, um, all, all of them. But yeah, Japan in particular, it's, it's yeah. like that's the market that will make or break an entire program
1: right Is is an entire yeah. program and, and if you've got a good team there and they know what they're doing you've, you've got to have you know they have let them run with it but still if you can work with on some work with uh shared commonalities in terms of architecture in terms of software platform uh, odds are you can reach some level of uh level of uh, uh and oh, so going back to the pilot project what i like is with a lot of global companies, there's this parent-child dynamic, which is really not all that healthy. In the sense that HQ does a redesign and then sends it out and tells all the children, which are the other countries generally and and markets, and you say, you guys got to use this new CMS and new design, and then they they're not happy. They weren't included oftentimes in the redesign. Well, if you can find a market that you can do a pilot with, and then let them present to the other to the siblings if you will yeah then it's not top down as much as hey look what we did you know you know we're italy and look what we were able to save time with this new template you know we're we're our revenues have increased we've generated this many new uh leads and and let them pitch to the siblings
0: and It, not, it yeah. it's sales is, is it what is. it is, right. And this it's is right. what I tell people. And when I talk to enterprise side globalization directors and, and teams and globalization project managers is your job is your job should be sales uh, to a certain extent, sales and marketing, a, a globalization department sh- should have a marketing sales and marketing arm to it, or an evangelization arm an education arm, what, whatever you want to call it, where you're, you're going out and you're, helping your stakeholders. That's what sales does, by the way. Sales mm-hmm. doesn't make money. Sales adds value, right? Mm-hmm. So they go out mm-hmm. and they talk to these people and they understand what are your requirements and stuff like that. And they convince them to follow localization best practices because they're just mm-hmm. doing what they want to do. And specifically, like I'm talking about decentralized organizations where there's, you know, subsidi- subsidiary offices that have a lot of control over the situation. Like, why would they why would they want to centralize? You know, I can think of an example, which I can't remember what my NDA is, so I'm not going to use names, but it's like, they're trying to centralize everything, all of the localization into one program so that they can use team. Cause these people, it was the wild West, like each mm-hmm. individual region, um, had managed their own stuff. They were, some of them worked with freelancers. Some of them used cat tools. Some of them used MT. Some of them didn't wild right so there's this Mm -hmm. big effort to centralize it to which it's like the chinese market is asking well why would i send all of my translations to you so i can be cross-charged literally twice as much sometimes Mm -hmm. three times as much as what i can get it for on the local market right and you need to have a good answer for that you really need to have a good answer for that and that's where sales comes in you need to sell them you need to yeah. sell your local Chinese guys on like, and here's why. Here's mm-hmm. why um, you can add the value.
1: No, it, you're you're right. It's it's it, when you centralize, there is a degree of of losing some degree of control and freedom. Uh, it is kind of like a pendulum. Flexibility, right? Yeah, it goes back and forth. But the, the extremes on either side are where I try to keep companies out of, you know, is too centralized and too decentralized. You know, if you can find – there's always going to be tension. Like, it, there's always going to be tension. Um, but it, As there it, should you, be. As there should yeah, be, right? Yeah. Right. And the other thing, too, is it's, it's a lot of – like sales, it's also about a listening because you will have local offices that are doing things that have discovered things. Maybe they've developed some new – technologies widgets whatever or, or just sales techniques that other offices should be aware of so they need to be able to share that as well uh it, it can't just be top down we know everything at HQ and you guys do it it has yeah. to be much more collaborative and 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 it's challenging it's 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 uh it's not easy. And, you know, most organizations, uh, you know, I'd like to think even the ones on the top 25, uh, they're, they're struggling. It's, it's never, they never feel like they're done. It's always, it's a process.
0: No. And, and we're not, none of us are, we're, we're never no. done. Right. So that's not a no. bad thing no. to never feel like no. you're done. But, you know, I always kind of chuckle because in, in my past lives and current life as, you know, I've I've gotten the opportunity like you, maybe not as intimately as you, but I'm familiar with a lot of these brands and how Mm. they run their globalization, how they decide which markets to go into, how they translate, what technology they're using. And I chuckle every time I meet someone who has this perception that, well, surely Apple has everything perfect. Right. Surely Microsoft, (laughs) surely Facebook, surely, you know, because these are big brands, they've heard of them before. Surely Tesla has a very streamlined, um, operation and Hey, this ain't no hate to any of the like brands I just did or didn't mention may or may not have been familiar with before. It's just, yeah, we're all figuring this out.
1: Right. And the, and the ground shifts every few months or years, uh, based on, Geopolitics. That's oh, what keeps our lives really, really interesting, you know, with Russia and China and Brazil and, uh, you know, that that has major policy implications. I was speaking with one company many years ago, a uh, large tech company, and it was after the Snowden, the Snowden affair became oh, like, yeah. global news. And I said, this is going to impact everybody, mm. you know, because some countries germany comes to mind are much more sensitive about their personal data and where that data is being transmitted is it going to the US you know and then back again and when it goes to the US is it getting gets you know passed through an NSA server those things really matter to people around the world in various markets and and that could have major implications for where you host your website how you interact with uh, your customers and uh this tech company didn't quite see it yet uh, but uh, because tech companies tend to be very much, they trust in technology to such a degree, you know, that sometimes yeah, that can be a little dangerous. The
0: almighty algorithm.
1: I know. Right. You know? And there, there's like two, we're, there's two localization worlds. There's like the Silicon Valley local. They yeah. live in their own world. They're at a it's higher, so you know, right. and then there's the rest of the world, yeah. you know, and I have to modulate what I say to each audience based on on who they are and and what world they live in.
0: It's true. I think my like comfort zone is probably more with that Silicon Valley crowd, which isn't just Silicon Valley, but Silicon Valley is a state of mind. Silicon Valley is not a place. Okay. And and I think it's an HBO show, which I've never seen, (laughs) but everyone tells me I can. You you mentioned, I want to ask this because before I forget it, you talked about the change, the evolution that this industry is constantly going through. And earlier in this conversation, you also talked about how you've um, been using the same metrics over time so that you can get Mm -hmm. an apples to apples comparison and you've modified, you've evolved the report over the years to reflect things that are currently trending. So for example, you changed the criteria um, to make it into the top 25 and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So (sighs) my question is how have you seen the industry evolve Um, because you'd be watching this because you need to take it into account in your part how have you seen the industry evolve and how have you seen the industry fail to evolve as far as like the global localization globalization this shadow industry that fuels the engines of international growth
1: I, I, that's, that's a good question. Uh I, I think it's evolved well. Well, in global consistency, for example, when I started no. out, that was not a, a, an assumed best practice. It was a very much disputed best practice, I would say. And now I feel like that is, I don't have to sell that anymore. It's I don't have to, to sell it. languages to some degree. Um, it is still like there are some markets where it is still a struggle. You know, some languages where I still have to really evangelize for it, and that, and that that's disappointing to me because, you know, I, I'm all, at the end of the day, I, I consider myself a, a user evangelist. You know, I I and mm-hmm. I it bothers me to see companies that have to that are already selling in these markets. And this is actually the problem is they say, well, we're already selling in these markets. Why do we need to not localize for the market, which uh, is is tone deaf, I think. So I, I'm a little I I feel like it would have been nice to see us growing more quickly linguistically. Um, and I think it's it has hurt some companies, you know, because their reluctance to to scale quickly has allowed local competitors to flourish. Right um and so that has hurt them in the end and it's also it's also prevented them from understanding their markets as well as they needed to because the mm-hmm. process of localization is you learning more about the market not just the, translating it's oh, about yeah. you really getting you into that it. Market. you, you can't, can't help but it, learn right?
0: just yeah. going through that process especially right. if you're coming from outside of the localization crowd mm-hmm. which i mean let's a lot of, especially you know, you start your growing companies. A lot of globalization, first time globalization directors. Uh, it's they. The first time they've heard the word localization, globalization, internationalization is when they saw it on their job description, right? And <laughs> um, God bless. I mean, I I've worked with some people that they just got thrown into localization, yeah. and like help me. Right. <laughs> right. You're right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's complicated. And machine translation is an area that I think.
0: Here we, go. Here we go.
1: Yeah. I I evangelized for this early on. I mean, I just, you know, every, and, and in a way, you know, I guess we have tech companies to thank for really uh, pushing it to the mainstream and it's Google and all the other platforms that have, Enabled it in you know in Instagram and Twitter and Facebook you can self translate content now. Yeah. So what I always tell people is that uh, you know the expectation is now if it's not in my language I should be able to self translate.
0: That's it myself, the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. It's not extra credit and, anymore. That's no.
1: And it, why aren't you as a Fortune 500 company unlocking your content via? an MT tool like that. You could, you could do it. And, but it's a, it's a tough sell still. And it surprise, surprises me to see that uh, the tech company, you know, Silicon Valley, it's a different discussion, like you said, but when you get outside of Silicon Valley, you're still uh, dealing with, well, you know, the quality is not that good. And then legal gets involved and, you know, and it's all of this stuff and it's, and in many cases, they don't even know their vendors are using it, and you yeah, know, they don't—they yeah. don't even know that it's that they're using it yeah. internally.
0: Yeah. A lot of misconceptions out there mm-hmm. around MT machine translation. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also a lot of good information out there around machine translation. And, you know, here's what I tell people about MT is like, it's, it's past the point where it's possible for you to learn everything there is to learn about it, unless that's your full time job, right? Like, if, yeah. if you're the MT guy, then yeah, sure, that that's you. But if you're, you know, just the director the VP of international, whatever it's like, you're not going, I don't care how many webinars you go to. You're not going to learn everything there is to go get sure. a guy, <laughs> right? Get yeah. a guy that you trust, get a consultant, get somebody and get a vendor. Vendors love, like if you're working with one of the big guys, especially right. And tell them, mm-hmm. I want to talk to a solution architect mm-hmm. and then talk to them about MT. There's also good com- Nowadays there's, you know, companies out there specializing in this kind of stuff. You got intento, um, out there, they're doing a lot of work around MT, like choosing the best MT. Um, check them out. Um, hmm. I know Constantine Durant has a company, M- MT Insights. MT, I'm sorry, Kostya. Huh. No, I, I, haven't, I haven't heard of
1: that. Yeah,
0: I'm trying to plug you, Kostya, but I, okay. I can't remember it. Um, but he's doing great work. I, I, I hear he's an ex, he's an MZ alumni. Ah, so cool. he went off to bigger and better things, <laughs> but yeah, MT, it's. Yeah, you've used the word scalable or scalability probably half a half a hundred, like a couple dozen times in in this talk yeah. so far, because it's important. It's not just a buzzword. And mm. I don't know how you can run a scalable localization program without MT being part of that yeah. equation. Like You're it just right. has to be. Mm especially with you know, user-generated content. Tell me about user-generated content because you talked about that in the video. How does that yeah. factor into the report card?
1: It's, it factors into the localization, judging um, there's user-generated and then client-generated or, or uh, company-generated content. So blogs, obviously, and case studies and uh, video content, which is definitely becoming much more important. And then user-generated is is you know anything socially social platform related or something that fits in this hybrid mvp if you will uh area where they might have customers that are heavy users of a product and they are promoted by the company um within those markets Hmm. Um, it's it's an area that actually it's it's when i talk to smaller companies this is where i i try to focus their attention now if you're expanding globally, your audience, your users, your customers are your best salespeople right. in the end, you know, if, and it dep- obviously depends on the, the market, the, uh, but we, you know, we like, actually uh,
0: have research on that and it, you're right. It does depend on yeah. Paul market. Cause we look at yeah. like across markets, yeah. like how influence. forget how it's phrased, but how influential recommendations from trusted friends and family are, yeah. and yeah. there's a variance between cultures. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh, that's interesting yeah so uh, yeah, so I try to I say that's an area where you might be able to get some good uh localization content uh on your local sites you know the the problem with local local sites in your tier three or smaller markets markets where you're when I say tier three I mean these might be markets where a company's just starting out in and they've put them in a, the to the bottom tier and mm. they don't have a lot of resources. They're not going to translate professionally translate the bulk of their content yet. They're testing the water, dipping their toe in the water. Watching the analytics, yeah, yeah. So the the danger, of course, is if you dip your toe, are you doing it? Are you doing? Are you giving them a relevant website? Are you giving them a good experience? You know, and and sometimes they're not, and then they it creates a negative feedback loop. Yeah. And then the company goes, well, we failed in the market, even though they really didn't do much in the market. They, no, you horrible. did
0: fail in the market, but you failed in the market because of your own damn yeah. fault. This, exactly. is why, yeah. and this is why I tell people, is like, be, you know, in this day and age, it's, and I am a big fan of the like, prototype test, iterate, you know, mm-hmm. move fast, break things. I'm a big fan of that. I love it. Um, however, when entering a new market, be very cautious. You can dip your toe in and watch the analytics. But if you're not doing it in an intelligent way, you're basically giving up your only chance to make a first impression on that market. You're right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I call it a local facade, if you will. It's a just, facade. you know, the, the, the visitor in that market, they go to your website, and you said first impression. What a lousy first impression. They land there. There's nothing of value. Very little translated content, probably. Mm-hmm. And then they're, they're gone. Yeah. And they're, that's it. You know? And then This is the
0: TikTok age there's a tick tock generation right yeah. like you've got half a second before you swipe before yeah. they swipe away this is like we've been doing a lot of work here at Nimsy to get our websites um faster because they were just low i'm not a web guy i don't know why yeah. we have alexi over there in poland poland right. now yeah he lives in poland doing all of this he's our cto but it's like that the difference between a website that loads in one second versus three seconds is the difference between whether I read that website. Like seriously. Okay. I will click away no, that
1: quickly. You're right. And and that is actually one of the facts that is actually a, a huge part of the report card now. Performance. And I look, you know, you can't look at everything, but I do look at the weight in bytes, if you will. I actually weigh okay. the the mobile website. And it? byte I average level it research. Out. Yeah, right. it's by it's down to the bits and bytes. And it's something you can control, and it's amazing how many companies are just overweight, if you will, and, and, and they're not really thinking, well, if it, they're not, they're, they might be thinking, it might display fine in a, develop, in a developed market, a really high-speed broadband connection, but it's not going to display well in a 3G or 4G, right. or honestly, or- even in a developed market at the airport, you know, where it's a tax network.
0: Right. So, you Tax know, it's, network is that why I can always I can never get good reception <laughs> at the airport. I need to Google right, that. Right. I've always wondered that, but out of scope of this conversation.
1: Probably. Yeah, yeah. So because the average right now the the global the, the the websites I look at the average is nine megabytes. Nine that megabytes. Is, that's huge. That's All right. Alexi. Compar- now contrast Alexi that is. with well, Facebook uh, and Google try to keep it under a ma- a, a megabyte. Wow, they 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 try to standard. And the
0: average is nine.
1: The average is nine. In fact, that's why you know we've seen this trend of of uh, apps, mobile apps, like those light apps Mm -hmm. for emerging markets. So that's why Facebook Lite, Twitter Lite, Uber Lite. It's for it's also a a lightweight app that can be downloaded more quickly uh, and and consume less data in emerging markets. Because if you're paying by if you're paying for data. And data is expensive. You're very sensitive to uh, to the consumption of that data, and that's why users in, in some markets will turn their phones off and on a lot just to con- to manage data consumption. It's quite honestly, I've been on data plans, and I'm I do that. And I yeah. I for a while I had a, a mobile data plan. I I got cheap on my mobile phone, and I and I. I really I started blowing past those limits, and suddenly I started thinking about you know data consumption. And did mm-hmm. I want to stream this video, or did I? And that I think is positive. And in fact, I'd read that Facebook several years ago would, was was actually uh, throttling their internet access internally. And I don't know if, don't know if they still do this, but they were trying to give their employees the experience of what it might be like to be a user in in many markets around that's, the world.
0: That's I respect that. That, that's cool. I, I do too. I yeah. think we forget. Like I'm sitting here with a gigabyte fiber optic cable, which is one of two mm. internet connections that I have running into this house. And wow. I have my 5g iPhone 12. And it's like, I forget how spoiled I am. And, you know, cause I think, ah, oh, why are NIMSY's website loads fast enough? It's fine. Yeah. It loads fast enough for me. <laughs> right. What about <laughs> right. the people in the, you know, waiting in the line at the airport in Lagos. How's it loading for them, <laughs> right on an iPhone six? Um, it's, it's true. Well, and speaking of which, I, I think the the internet throttling gods are not are displeased with our conversation because <laughs> your resolution is going out. Sorry about that. I oh my
1: god! If... Yeah, see, I do not have a high speed connection. <laughs> yeah, you, you look so crisp.
0: They're listening. They don't like what hopefully we're talking I'll,
1: about. Uh, it'll catch up here, hopefully. Yeah.
0: Well, we we are coming up on the hour here. We've been at, I know it doesn't seem like it, um, but we've been at this for an hour. I'd love to ha- do this again with you, though.
1: Sure, John, I'd love to. This has been great.
0: Yeah, we, I, there's so many things. Think think if we actually prepared beforehand. <laughs> yes,
1: indeed. For those of you,
0: if anyone's watching, if anyone's made it this far, like this is the first time John and I actually, actually ever met. It yeah. was about 10 minutes yeah. before coming live today, so... Yeah. Jonathan, thank you very much. This has
1: been wonderful. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. I would love to do it again. Awesome,
0: awesome. Well, everybody, um, go check it out. Um, Byte Level Research, the globalization report card from from Byte Level Research and John Yunker. I want to know more, and I just got done talking to him about it for an hour. So you should go check it out yourself. Uh, Really quickly, I'm closing up here. Thank you to Nimsy for letting us monopolize your st- our streams today. Stay tuned because we're going to have more people coming live from Nimsy. So if you're sick of seeing my fat face on here, we're going to be getting Sarah Hickey up here. Uh, we've got some other exciting guests coming up. We're going to be talking about in- interpreting. We're going to be talking about evangelization and localization for religious organizations. Lots of good topics coming up. Um, but until then... I wish you a wonderful rest of your day. Once again, my name is Tucker Johnson. Tucker at Nimzy.com. Ping me on LinkedIn. We're here to help. Ciao.